0: Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms. Today we will be in Psalm 40, which is a psalm of David. The book of Psalms is a book of poetry that God has given to his people. He's given us many different ways that we may know him in his word, whether it's through the law of the first five books, whether it's through the history or the prophets or the poetry of the wisdom literature, God has given us many different ways in which we may know him. And so today we will seek to learn more about him and to know him through Psalm 40, this Psalm of David. And So hear the word of the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. No one can recount to you were I to speak and tell of them. They would be too many to declare sacrifice and offering. You did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offering you do not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the book of the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide my righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May all those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, the Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh, my God, do not delay. Let us pray. Lord, we have heard the reading of your word. And now as we turn to seek to understand it, I ask that you give us eyes that can see and ears that can hear. Help us to take in these words and be changed by them. Help us to see you and desire to become more like you. Help us to hear your teaching and strive to change our lives. And Lord, as I stand here and seek to proclaim, I am reminded that I am a jar of clay, cracked and broken, trying to carry the glorious news that you have in your word to these people. And so give me your words. Give me your thoughts. And strengthen my voice with your spirit so that your people might know you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Very much like today, this time last year, where I was anticipating taking a group of students and loading up in a van and, and heading to Bon Clarken for Horizon for our annual high school conference that the, the ARP puts on each year. Little did we know as we packed up on Monday morning and left and headed to headed down to camp that later that week we would sit there in horror as we watched on the internet. A thousand year flood as it ripped and tore its way through different parts of Greenbrier County. It was be a year ago this weekend, this coming weekend, the 23rd and 24th, that all that happened. And as we do look back, we can see that much progress has been made in restoring uh, much of the loss that happened. Although there are still at least 300 families that are in some level of displacement here in Greenbrier County, much has been done. To repair, as I said, the physical loss. But many people still carry the emotional and the spiritual struggle of what happened a year ago. And so today I want us to look at Psalm 40 and hopefully find hope. Now, Psalm 40 is a psalm of lament. Actually, it could go either way between a psalm of thanksgiving or a psalm of lament. But I think the evidence weighs a little bit heavier on the side that this is a psalm of lament These psalms of lament are psalms that describe disaster and suffering in the life of the psalmist. In this case, it is David. And yet they also express trust in God. And the psalms of lament can run the gamut from the darkest, the deepest of psalms, Psalm 88, that begins with, O my Lord, I cry out to you, and then ends with, Darkness is my only friend. To this psalm that is almost, even though it's a psalm of lament, it has much joy and much Faith and trust within it. Although all Psalms of Lament express a trust in God. Now, many of you may remember that after all the horror of June last year, the different natural and, and human driven disasters that we had in the month of June, I, I embarked on a, on a reading of the Book of Lamentations. And many of us felt the depth and the darkness of Lamentations way too much. And so that is not my intention today. We're going to touch on lament. We're going to touch on the reason for lament and the rescue for lament today. And then we'll move on next week into some new stuff. I am not going to lead us and drag us through the depths of despair of the book of Lamentations. I hope to leave us with joy and hope today. But today, as we look at Psalm 40, I want us to see three things. I want us to see causes or sources of suffering that David lists for us in this psalm. I want us to see that God, in fact, does rescue us within and from our suffering. And I want us to see that that we are required to respond to God's rescue in a very specific way that David talks about here in this psalm. First, I want us to look at verses 12 through 15 and And in these three verses, I do see three causes of suffering in our life. Verses 12 through 15 say, it would help if I'm in the right song. Verses 12 through 15 say, for troubles without numbers surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, may they be appalled at their own shame. The first source of suffering our life comes there in verse 12, where David says, my sins have overtaken me and I cannot see they are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Many times suffering in our life comes as a result or the consequences of our own sin. Paul touches on this in 1 Corinthians 11 as he's talking about the Lord's Supper and the importance of doing it correctly and say, many of you do not examine your hearts. Many of you come to the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And many of you are sick and many of you are even sleep or have passed away. James deals with this as well in James chapter 5. Hear these words in James chapter five, beginning in verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. James here says, if you find yourself suffering from sickness and you want the help of the elders, you need to go through the work of examining your life and confessing to the elders the sins in your life because it may be that your suffering is a direct effect of sin. Now, this is a bit of an extreme example, but let's say... I am pulled over by one of the deputies, Greenbrier County Sheriff's deputies, and he asked me to step out of my car so he can talk to me. Maybe he's just pulled me over because my inspection sticker is out of date by a couple weeks. And he just wants to, to talk to me, do a little roadside inspection to make sure I'm not trying to avoid my responsibility. And in the midst of speaking to this deputy or as he's speaking to me, as he's kind of looking at my car, I reach over and I cold cock him in the back of the head there are some very definite consequences that will fall upon me both immediate and long-term for that particular sin. Now that may be an extreme example, but how many times have we done that to God? How many times have we rebelled against God and taken his name in vain or taken his law for granted? And God says, in order to get your attention, I'm going to send pain and difficulty and suffering into your life to hopefully turn your heart back toward me so that you might repent and find forgiveness. And we are called to examine our lives. We are called to search our hearts whenever we are suffering in order to make sure that we are holy and righteous before God. Now, this also comes with a caveat. I am not called to examine your life and tell you, hey, the reason you're sick and suffering is because you're sinning. I'm called to examine mine. You're not called to examine me. You're called to examine your own life. In Luke 13 verses 1 through 5, these people come to Jesus. And they say there were some men who were were executed by Pilate. And their blood was mixed with the sacrificial blood. And they were treated horribly in the way they were executed. What did they do to deserve that? Jesus says that's the wrong question to ask. The question to ask is when you see other people suffer, look at your own life and repent of your own sin and seek to make sure that any illness or suffering in your life is not a direct effect of your own sin. So while we must seek our own sin and seek our own repentance, we must be careful that we don't seek other people's sin and repentance. Secondly, suffering comes because of the actions of others. David goes on to say here in these verses, that many are those who come upon him and they say bad things about him and they sling their arrows at him they seek to take his life and to to cause him shame and confusion and the actions of others have caused david to suffer and to struggle in his life we think about david's relationship with saul he was a, he was first introduced to saul And he was told, uh, Saul was told that David knew how to play the harp and could soothe this evil spirit that Saul had within him, this depression, this anger, this anxiety in Saul's heart. And yet the military victories and the glory that came upon David because God used him mightily as a military officer in Saul's army caused Saul to hate David and Saul sought David's life. He tried to kill David. He pursued David throughout the wilderness And David says these men are seeking to take my life. I have to live in caves. I have to to hopefully not be betrayed by people who I seek help from. My life is difficult. I struggle. I suffer. I'm hungry because of the attacks of evil people. Sometimes Christians are persecuted by the world around them. We think of the bakers and the florists uh, in recent time that have refused to offer services in certain wedding situations. And they've lost their livelihood. They've been sued or fined, out of business. And sometimes suffering comes because of the work of the people around us. But third, the opening of verse 12 says for troubles without number have surrounded me. And I take that to include the fact that the third cause of our suffering is that we live in a broken, fallen world. We live in a world that is tainted by sin. And things no longer work together as they should. We age, we ail, we get sick, we get cancer, we get pneumonia, we fall and break bones. And many times our suffering is not connected to sin. Many times our suffering is not connected to what other people have done to us. Sometimes our suffering is connected to the fact that it rained 12 inches in two hours. And there's nothing we can do about that. We cannot stop natural disasters. We cannot stop acts of God, as our insurance policies call them. But we can do what David did, and that is turn to God. David opens up this psalm. So our our three sources of suffering is our own sin, which brings consequences. The second source is the actions of other. And the third source is things that we have absolutely no control over. Natural disasters, living life under the sun in a broken world. But in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his difficulty, David turns not to himself, not to his army, not to the wise man down the street, but he turns to God. And as he cries out to God, he cries out, rescue me. And he opens up by saying, I have waited patiently for you to rescue me. I think God gives David two types of rescue within this psalm. The first is rescue in the middle of suffering, verses 16 and 17. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say the Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. The Lord gives us in the middle of our suffering. He gives us the hope and the joy to be able to say, in the middle of the depths of despair, the Lord be exalted. No matter how much we suffer, no matter how much we struggle, in fact, in the, in the beginning of the psalm, David describes the, the place that he's at as a slimy swamp, as a mire and a bog. Have you ever tried to walk through a swamp? It, it's muddy. It's soft, it's squishy. Some of you have told me stories of the fairgrounds before they paved the midway, how in the summer during the fair, it would rain all day and all night and you'd walk through the midway through the mud and the muck and you'd, you'd enter the midway with two shoes. Sometimes you'd come out with one, sometimes you'd come out with none because the mud and the muck sucked up around your feet. Well, think of that up to your knees or to your hips. That's what it's like walking through a swamp sometimes. You describe it in Florida when you're in trouble that you're up to your eyeballs and alligators because swamps don't only have mud and water. They've got alligators and snakes and all different kinds of animals. It's a dangerous place to be. It's a scary place to be because you're just stuck in the mud so hard that you can't get anywhere. And David said, even in the midst of this, God gave me the strength to say, Lord, be exalted. Lord, be glorified. And David worshiped in the midst of the swamp. Why did David worship in the midst of the swamp? It's because God reminded him of the salvation that is offered. The salvation that to David was promised through the king that would come. the, The perfect David, the perfect Messiah that we know to be Jesus Christ. And whatever we suffered, he suffered far worse because we're sinners. And we deserve to suffer even if the suffering is not a direct result of our sin. He was not a sinner and he did not deserve to suffer. And yet our salvation came through that suffering that he underwent. And because of that salvation that was promised to David, and because of that salvation that is ours today through the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our struggle, we can say the Lord be worshiped, the Lord be exalted. That's the first rescue that God gives us is he gives us joy in the middle of the suffering. But the second refu- the second rescue that he gives us is the promise that we won't always be in the middle of the swamp. How does the psalm open up? I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. We used to watch Bear Grylls on the Discovery Channel, and if you're not familiar with that, they would drop him in the middle of some wilderness or some really difficult situation with nothing but his wits and a couple handfuls of things, you know, a piece of string, a knife, and, you know, maybe a, a roll of duct tape. And he would work his way. Well, Now that's MacGyver. MacGyver was Bobby Pins and duct tape. But anyway, Bear Grylls would work his way out of this situation until he found himself rescued. David says, I've been dropped in the middle of the swamp and I have nothing. And yet if I wait patiently upon God and if I if I worship him in the joy and salvation that he has promised me in the midst of this, he will lift me out of the mire. He will lift me out of the slimy pit and he will set me upon that solid ground, the solid ground of life abundantly in his presence. And so God rescues us from suffering by giving us joy and hope in the middle of the suffering. And he rescues us by removal from the suffering. And finally, When we are given rescue, rescue should lead us to worship. Listen to David's words in verses 9 and 10. I proclaim proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Can you imagine being being in the depths of the slimy pit? up to your eyeballs and alligators, if you will. And God rescues you from the depths of despair. He fills your heart with joy and He, he takes you, lifts you out of that the, the despondency and He sets you in the high place. He sets you in a place of safety. He restores you to where you were before you entered the swamp. What do you do? Do you just kind of sit back and move on with life? Do you just kind of keep it to yourself and go, well, great, yep awesome. No. David says he goes to the great assembly. He goes to the congregation of the people of God and he proclaims several things about God. He proclaims God's righteousness. He proclaims God's faithfulness. He proclaims God's salvation. He says, I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. He even went so far as to write it down. And we've had it preserved for us as a psalm. When God rescues you from sickness, when God rescues you from despondency and despair, when God rescues you from the suffering that falls upon every single person in this world, we go to the mountaintop and we proclaim God's faithfulness to hear us and to rescue us. We don't just say the Lord be exalted to ourselves, but we say to the world, to the congregation, we said God should be worshiped because he rescued me from the depths of despair. He rescued me from the despondency. He saved me from the waters. And he lifted me up. We live in a world that, if we're honest with ourselves and we understand the reality of life in this world, there's going to be other thousand year floods. There's going to be other earthquakes and hurricanes and forest fires and terrorist attacks and things like that, things that we have no control over. And we are going to suffer. So, what do we do when we suffer? What do we do whenever the world, when we find ourselves, excuse me, whenever we find ourselves in the middle of the swamp, in the middle, as Bunyan says, in the, in the slew of despond and despair? Well, the first thing we should do is we should search our hearts and we should confess. We need to make sure that we're right before God and make sure that it's not our own fault that we're there. Because the reality is sometimes we suffer and we despair because of decisions we've made, because of rebellions against God. And we search our heart and yes, we may need to come to a spiritual leader, to one of the elders and say, help me with this. I want to confess to you so that I might know your opinion as a man of God or a woman of God. Is God punishing me? But the second thing we do once we confess and cry out to God seeking rescue, we need to wait patiently for him. David opens up the psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord. His suffering didn't end the moment he confessed his sins. His suffering didn't end the moment he cried out to God and said, take this, take this burden off my shoulders. He said, I had to wait patiently for the Lord. Sometimes waiting patiently means wrestling with God. Luke 18, the, the woman who goes to the uh, unjust ruler and ask him for help out of her, her difficulty And Jesus says that, you know, finally, she just kept going to him and going to him and going to him and going to him. And And finally, this unjust ruler said, all right, enough, I'll help you. How much more abundantly will God help us and how much more graciously will God help us? But sometimes we have to keep going to him and wrestle with him in prayer to take us out of the depths of despondency and despair. And we have to wait patiently on him to rescue us. And then we must proclaim his faithfulness. We must proclaim his faithfulness as we wait patiently. We must proclaim his faithfulness as he meets us with joy in the middle of the suffering. But when he does lead us out of that swamp and set us back on the solid ground, we must proclaim his name to the world around us. Each and every one of us is going, has gone through, or is about to walk into their own swamp their own depth of despondency and depth of despair. And the book of Psalms meets you wherever you are in any one of those three things. But remember, whether you're there, whether you're coming out of it, or whether you're on your way into it, remember to cry out and to wait patiently and to worship God when he meets you. Because he is a good God who will set us back upon the rock and has set us upon the rock of his Son, our Savior, so that we might live with him forever in that perfect city, built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. Let us pray. Our gracious and holy God, our Lord and Father above, life gets swampy sometimes. And as we are slogging our way through the mud, as we are trying to keep our our head above water, so to speak, our tendency is to forget you. Remind us that you are here for us. Remind us that you are there for us to cry out to. Give us the strength to wait patiently for you and help us to worship you in the midst and proclaim your faithfulness when you rescue us from the swamp. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.